Weather Bureau was authorized by Congress. Weather Bureau, officially known as the National Weather Service, or NWS, is a department of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, or NOAA. 1963, the very first Boeing 727 took off. It became the world's most popular way to fly at the time. More than 1,800 of the aircraft were built before production stopped in 1984. Meanwhile, in 1969, the Boeing 747 flew its inaugural flight on this day. The milestone ushered in the age of the jumbo jet. And 1964, several days after their arrival in the U.S., the Beatles made the first of three record-breaking appearances on The Ed Sullivan Show. Now, the audience viewing the Fab Four was estimated at 73.7 million people in TV land. The Beatles sang, She Loves You and I Want to Hold Your Hand, and one could barely hear the songs above the screams of the girls in the audience, just like when Mike Martini appears anywhere. Oh, That's a look at George. some of Today in History. Along with Mike Martini, I'm George Zahn for 89.3 FM WMKV. Oh, my goodness, can you believe it's Mike Martini? You, you you make me blush every day. Thank you, George. Uh, in traffic right now, we have an accident. Coal rain at West Fork, South 75, south of Buttermilk. A car uh, facing the wrong direction after an accident. Also, Baltimore at Westwood Northern Boulevard, South 71. Uh, an accident near the Kenwood exit. And just before, uh, actually before Red Bank, it says, the left lanes are blocked. You, traffic needs to get to the far right to get by. And uh, we still have the expressway shut down, 71 southbound. This is in Gallatin County, just past the 75-71 split. It's about the 68-mile marker, so if you're heading to Louisville, uh, at the moment anyway, the expressway is shut down. Your weather forecast tonight, some clouds early on, but clearing after midnight. That's going to send the temperature plummet, uh, plummeting tonight as we get down to about 0 to 2 degrees above 0. Then tomorrow, not much warmer than today, sunny with a high of 22. Friday, we warm up into the lower 30s, and then Saturday, we start to see temperatures move near 40. In fact, Sunday and Monday, we could even see temperatures in the upper 40s and maybe even on uh, around 50 degrees on Valentine's Day. Looking ahead to next week, temperatures in the upper 40s as well, so that's good. Right now, though, we're stuck at 24 degrees. And real-life real estate investing comes your way after this. Support comes from Charles Vonderhaar CPA. For 33 years, Charles Vonderhaar has been providing a wide variety of accounting, tax, and financial management services tailored to meet the needs of both individuals and businesses. His firm also offers personal services for clients in the following areas, individuals, small business, real estate investors, retirees, and trusts. More information about Charles Vonderhaar CPA at 513 or at VonderhaarCPA.com. The views and discussion expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of the hosts of the program, WMKV, Maple Knoll Communities, its staff, or management. The information and advice presented are educational in nature and not intended to be taken as legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Always consult with your own legal, accounting, or other professional before making any investment. Welcome to Real Life Real Estate Investing, a show to help you gain financial freedom by investing in real estate. Brought to you by the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati and the Ohio Real Estate Investors Association. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate Investing on 89.3 FM WMKV. And now your host, Vena Jones-Cox. 
Good afternoon. I am Vina Jones-Cox, and this is Real Life Real Estate Investing, your nation's public radio source for all the most useful real estate investing tips, techniques, strategies, advice, etc., etc. And do not forget to get on Real Life Real Estate Investing's email distribution list by going to askvina.com. Each and every week we send out a little reminder shows today. Here's the link. Here's how you ask questions. Here's the guest. Oh, by the way, here's an article. Uh, We also keep you up to date on all the stuff that's happening out there in the real estate world at Cincinnati Rhea and other places throughout the United States. All you have to do is go to askvina.com, fill out the little email form there. You'll get a an email back that says, are you sure you want to do this? Check yes. And uh, you'll be in. If your friends want to be in, Tell them about it too. Askvina.com. Today in our 2011 Building Your Team series, we're talking to a very important team member, your title agent or closing agent or escrow agent or whatever you call it in your part of the country. My guest today is Dan Whalen, who is the owner of the investor-friendly Grandview Title Services, where he uh, has been since 2003, graduated from University of Kentucky Law School in 1993, and he has been involved in over a thousand closings including some that I can tell you from personal experience were very complicated and difficult. <laughs> so we're going to talk to him today about what ought to happen at the closing, what you can expect, what paperwork to look for, uh, what happens when title, when uh, when, when uh, problems of various sorts crop up. We also want to take your questions, comments at 772-9658 if you're in the greater Cincinnati area. If you're listening to us on the web... You can call 877-772-9658, or you can go to that same askvina.com website, click the Ask Vina a Question button, fill in that little response form, and boom, it'll show up in my email box. Be sure to tell us where you're writing from, because that does make a difference, particularly today. Because, Dan, although a closing agent is certainly something that every real estate investor is going to have to use, hopefully multiple times. We should say up front, since we have a national listening audience, that there are going to be little differences uh, in how things are closed in different parts of the country. Yes, that's correct. I, I want to first thank you for having me on your show tonight. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and, and your listeners. Um, but yes, title practices do vary from state to state and even within the same state. For example, Cleveland is very different than closing in Cincinnati. Different practices different customs and different responsibilities for the different parties. So uh, it is important to uh, check with your local title agent or closing attorney and see what your requirements are and and just consult with them the whole way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Even really before you have a closing on the table, because uh, finding the right person in this arena, as in many, can be a little difficult for a real estate investor because... My experience is that not all title companies are really that interested in working with us and our weird little closings. <laughs> that's that's sometimes true. And, and the r- usual reason for it is just lack of familiarity with, with what's going on in an investor-related closing. Um, a lot of title companies are geared toward uh, closings of loans for banks. Um, and the, the parties involved, the buyers and sellers, are, are just the people that happen to be 
uh, the buyers and sellers of the property that the bank is lending money on. So in working with investors, um, you're, you're dealing with a different focus and different issues come up than would come up in a normal, uh, would be a typical bank closing. Um, a lot of times you're dealing with property that might might be distressed, have, have different issues um, as far as liens and things to clear up. Um, and a lot of times it's just the, the, the different ways that investors are, are financing their deal and being familiar with how everything works. Mm-hmm. Familiar with or willing to learn. Or willing to learn. I yes. actually had a closing company. And l- let me start by saying we do a lot of closings in a year. I mean, it, 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 maybe not as much as, you know, Citibank would if you had their business. But, you know, we do enough to be a decent amount of business for a small title company. And uh, in in my search for a title company a few years back, I actually had one that said to me, wait, you use land trusts? Those are illegal in Ohio, <laughs> which I can tell you for absolutely certain <laughs> are not. And yet, if I was a brand new investor who'd never done that before, I might, oh my gosh, the, the professional said, these sure. are illegal. And again, lack of familiarity. Yes, it's just lack of familiarity. They're perfectly legal, just like any other trust. Um, it's just a matter of, of you know what the trust is involving. It's specifically land. Um, so it, it you know, and, and there are certain things you have to go through with any trust, and you just have to know what you need to do to make your trust valid and, and make title um, in the trust. Of course, it has to be in the trustee, not the trust itself, to make title correct. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that being familiar with, with that process and the different requirements of a trust is important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, just another lesson, folks, just, just like when you have a realtor tell you, nobody ever buys houses here for half price. Shouldn't make you not offer what you want to offer, having <laughs> a title company tell you. Nobody does those kinds of closings around here. Probably also not true. Go find someone who's familiar with what you do. And that's generally going to be someone who is already servicing other people in your Real Estate Investors Association. Now, Dan, one of the most common questions that I get about closings has to do with, do we actually need to do them? Uh, a lot of the deals that, that we do as investors are, there are no money down deals with a, with a seller where it's a, it's a land contract and we're just going to you know sign some papers and, and write out a legal description and it's all good. Or the quick claim deeds. You know, we're seeing mm-hmm. a lot of those where uh, REO buyers, they, they won't give you a general warranty deed. They want to give you a quick claim deed. Do you think it's important to go through the ritual of a closing even when there's no money trading hands, even when you're trying to sort of keep the costs down? Absolutely, and let me let me first say that uh, you know what a lot of people think of as as the closing is is the formal closing that that we do. Although really, if you're just exchanging a deed and and maybe a little bit of cash, you are doing a closing. It's just the less formal version. Um, but but in in answer to the question of of whether you need to do the formal, I would say you should. Um, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that go on even in a very simple closing that unless you're familiar, unless you've done the homework and know exactly what's going on that can be problems for you down the road. Of course, when, when a title company does a closing, one of the things we, we do is, is check the title, make sure the title is good and the transfer can be made, um, and the property is free of, of liens that you don't want, mortgages get paid off, you know, all those things that, that if, if you don't go through the formal closing and, and don't have your title work done, um, you can miss. And then there's the actual closing itself, you know, what has to be in the deed, what other documents should accompany it, you know, to make sure that everyone is protected. So, yes, it's always advisable to go through the formal closing process um, with a professional who knows the various requirements, you know, in that state, in that, that location, 
um, and it can come come up with solutions to any problems that, that come up in the process. And who has a license to lose and who has an escrow account in which to hold money because uh, what you just said there, just uh, like six or seven stories where people had not done formal closings or even title searches and up the road lost huge amounts of money popped mm-hmm. to my mind. But the, uh, the, the, the big one was uh, about 15 years ago, there was a gal locally who was uh, negotiating short sales. This was like way before anybody knew what a short sale was. And she was contacting the people in foreclosure and saying, I'll knock your lender down to three quarters of what you owe him. And then we'll sell the property to an investor and the, that'll pay off all your mortgages and liens. And then you can lease option the house back from the investor in four or five years, you can buy it again, which sounds like a great business plan, except that she was insisting that all the closings be done basically at the kitchen table. I mean, at her office, you know, mm-hmm. oh, I've got the title search. Don't worry. Oh, I've got the payoffs. Don't worry. And it turned out after, um, I don't know, six or eight months that yeah, she was negotiating liens and she was taking the money from the investors, but what she wasn't doing was paying off the liens with it. Yeah. <laughs> so she made millions. The investors ended up effectively spending you know, tens of thousands of dollars to buy a property subject to a defaulted mortgage that was mm-hmm. still there. She went to jail and a lot of otherwise fairly sophisticated investors were slapping themselves on the head saying, why did I not do this at my title company and you know the reason was she was only charging 500 to do it the title company might have charged a thousand so they lost tens of thousands of dollars for for a small fee relatively you can you can save yourself a lot of trouble and it's not just the title insurance it's also the the escrows you know one of the things one of the more important things that we do beyond making sure title is clear is, is to to handle all the money in the transaction you know we take all the money in and we pay all the money out to the people that need to get paid so if there is especially in a situation like a short sale, a lender who is expecting some kind of payment, maybe not the full payment, you know, by definition, a short sale, but, but they are expecting some kind of money in order to release their lien. If they don't get that money, they don't release the lien, and you don't have good title. Mm-hmm. Um, so by having a title agent who is responsible for that, and we do in the state of Ohio um, have to have licenses. A lot of states do that as well. Some states don't. Um, but in, in any event, we do... Um, you know, meet the meet the requirements of the state, and then we're insured, and we have title insurance companies backing us up. So there's a lot of protections for all the parties mm-hmm. involved when we handle the money. And the deeds get recorded, and the mortgages get recorded. I mean, just any, anyone who sits down with someone who is, I don't know, selling them a property and hands over all the paperwork to that person, trusting that it will get recorded, that, that's just, that's silly. I mean, you, you've got to have a third party there who has a legal responsibility and something to lose for not doing this the way that it should be done. We're talking today to Dan Whalen from Grandview Title about closings, what ought to happen there, what you, what you need to look for. We're also taking your questions at 772-9658 or 877-772-9658 or via our website at askvina.com. Support for WMKV comes from the Real Estate Investors Association of Cincinnati, a nonprofit educational association with programs available for real estate investors at all levels of experience. RIA meets on the first and third Thursdays of every month. More information about RIA and their meetings is available at 859 292 7342. And we check on traffic now. We have an accident, uh, Colerain at West Fork. Also, Baltimore at Westwood Northern Boulevard and South 71 near the Red Bank between the Kenwood and Red Bank exits. We'll say that. Uh, the left lanes are blocked. You need to get to the far right side to get over uh, past that. Still have the expressway shut down. Now, this is South 71 
at mile marker 68. This is in Gallatin County, Kentucky, uh, just past the 75-71 split. And the uh, accident in, at uh, 75 at Buttermilk, that's been cleaned up. Backups include North 71 at Smith, South 75, or South 71, uh, right around Red Bank because of that accident. Uh, Mitchell at Paddock, North 75, some backups also at Glendale Milford, South 75. Slowdowns approaching the Brent Spence Bridge. Tonight, the forecast, clouds early on, but after midnight, we clear out, and with that will come temperatures down between 0 and 5 above. Tomorrow, sunny with a high of 22. Friday, we warm up all the way to 32, and then on Saturday, we should see temperatures approaching 40, maybe even the upper 40s, and even 50 possibly on Valentine's Day. Right now, though, it is 24 here at 89.3 WMKV. Make a good friendship even better. Tell a friend about WMKV FM 89.3 and our streaming audio available worldwide at WMKVFM.org. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. Today in our in our series on building your team, we're talking to Dan Whalen, who owns a title company. It's uh, Grandview Title. That's the way we do things here in Ohio, uh, is we generally close through title companies. I know that in some places like New Jersey and New York, attorneys do it, quote unquote. It's, you, know, you, have, you, you go close at the attorney's office. Um, they fill similar roles, uh, no matter what they got in California, it's always escrow companies. Nobody ever sits down across the table from each other and closes the way we do here in Ohio. But uh, we're just talking about some general rules about what you need to do leading up to the closing, how to find the, the, the a, a, a title company that actually knows what they're doing in relation to uh, what we as investors do. And uh, also taking your questions at 772-9658. If you're outside greater Cincinnati area, you can call us toll-free at 877-772-9658. And uh, you can also send us an email by going to the askvina.com website. There's a little button there that you can click and say, Ask Vina a question. It'll show up in my radio show questions inbox here. I uh, got a question here from... Dan, <laughs> from Dan, Dan, that, not this Dan, but another Dan. It's Moon <laughs> It says, ask Dan what he thinks about new independent title insurance providers, for instance, in Title Direct. Is that a good value without increasing risk in the event a claim has to be made? Hmm. Hadn't heard about this. I had not heard about him either, although it, it is not a, an idea that would be completely foreign. Um, I mean, you, you can buy title insurance without, you know, having gone through at the same time a closing. Um, so it, it maybe the, the service is something like that where you have a property and you buy title insurance from. But there's there's really no substitute from having a title company or an attorney handle the actual closing. Um, and title insurance will be part of the, the product that you get as a result of that closing. Um, but just by buy, buying title insurance, they can check the title. Um, and I'm assuming you already you already own the property at that point, and there's no money to handle. Um, if if there's no transaction to actually handle, then yes, buy your title insurance from um, you know a, a company that offers it. Although generally there there are major title insurance companies in, in the country that that are you know the ones that are reputable and just like any other insurance company, you want to be sure that they have the the money to back up their claims. Now, I'm reaching back into my brain from my 
realtor education classes when we talked about when we talked about title insurance and and so on and i recall vaguely that the cost of title insurance is actually set by statute in a lot of states is it not uh, not necessarily by statute. Uh, a lot of times it's by regulation from the uh, the, the state's Department of Insurance. Um, and the, the model varies from state to state. Some state states the uh, the actual insurance regulator will come up with the rates. Others, the, the agencies just submit, or the companies, title insurance companies, submit their rates and the state approves them. Um, in the state of Ohio, all rates are pretty much the same. Um, Kentucky has submitted rates. So it, it varies from state to state, but it is it is regulated. So you can pretty much be sure that the, the rates uh, that you're getting are the ones that the, the state has, has approved. Um, otherwise, the insurers wouldn't be in business very long. So the idea of a discount title insurance provider is kind of anachronistic. In <laughs> well, there are discounts available in title insurance. Um, and, and again, I, I'm looking at a situation where you already own the property. Uh, for example, in a refinance, if you're refinancing your property, it's not really an investor situation. But if you're refinancing uh, and you previously had title insurance um, in another transaction when you bought the property or another time you refinanced, you can get a discount um, rate. It's called a reissue rate on your title insurance. So there are discounts available, but as far as there being a discount title insurance company, they really have to stick with the rates. They can't go over, and they really can't go under. Um, the The rates are the rates. They're, they're not a maximum or a minimum. They, they are they are the rates, mm-hmm. um, and the the discounts are set. Um, mm-hmm. the discounts mm-hmm. I referred to. So always be a little careful, folks, when you hear anyone offering a discount on really any kind of legal services, which this would be, or professional services. Because um, a lot of times you get what you pay for. Yes. These, these these things where you can go online and you can download an LLC operating agreement for $35 and you want to do that rather than pay your attorney $500 to write one that actually fits you. Yes. <laughs> Usually a bad buy. <laughs> you, you may end up with less than you pay for because they, they don't know your exact situation. Um, they don't get to talk to you and you know come up with, with ideas and maybe pitfalls that you might be stepping into if you just you know, purchase a form somewhere. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Now, Dan, we have several questions that have popped up via email here that relate to title insurance. So before we get into some of these specifics, let's talk about title insurance. Okay. Everyone's heard of it. Nobody seems to know what it actually covers. Okay. Title insurance is the way that your title is protected. Think of it like any other insurance policy. Um, you, know, you take uh, homeowner's insurance out on your house in case it burns down. Um, or any other casualty result or happens to your house. Same thing with title insurance. It's protecting your your paper title to the property. Your you know what your ownership of it. If there's any any other person that might claim an interest in the property because of uh, an unpaid mortgage or an unknown heir that shows up, uh, it's basically ensuring that the title that you have to the property is good title. Um, and with certain exceptions that that are in the policy, such as your own mortgage, uh, that your title is good against everyone else. Um, there are basically two types of title insurance. There's the owner's title insurance and the lender's. And it's really just a matter of who it's covering. Obviously, the owner's covers the owner of the property. The lender's covers the lender on a mortgage on the property. So a lot of people go to a closing and they see title insurance. And you know that's usually the lender's title insurance. So they think, well, I got title insurance. They don't. Uh, they have lender's title insurance for the lender, which, of course, is passed on to them as the, the lender's customer. So they're paying for the lender's title insurance. Now, we also offer owner's title insurance, 
Um, and that, that's basically the same idea. It's protecting the title of the property, but it's a different beneficiary. Um, so, and it's a, a smaller fee if, if you buy them both at the same time. So that, there is one of the discounts there. It's a simultaneous issue. Um, so what it actually protects against is anyone who would make a claim against the property, any title defects in the property um, that either could have been found in title search and weren't, which I'd like to say we always find them. <laughs> um, but it also covers things that couldn't be found. I mentioned previously the issue of an unknown heir. You know, there was uh, an heir that comes along, says, I, I'm, I have an interest in this property, and no one knew this heir even existed. Mm -hmm. So it it's, could be something that could never be found. Mm -hmm. um, you know, also a matter of forged, forged signatures. You know, when I look at a deed at the courthouse where everything is recorded, I'm entitled to rely that that is a true signature. Someone comes along and says, hey, that deed was forged. I never signed that. I still own the property. So it would cover something like that as well. Yeah, and you think, you, think that, you think that would happen rarely, but I know two people in the Cincinnati area who've had their properties stolen from them with forged signatures that somebody just went down to the courthouse, brought in a new deed, said, look, Fred sold me this house. There's Fred's signature. They recorded it. And then the the thief went along as if he owned the property, <laughs> and uh, so yeah, I mean that's 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 surprisingly common. Uh, it can happen, and it, it is as you mentioned. It's it's something you wouldn't expect to happen, and it doesn't happen all that much, um, but it does happen, and and the potential loss is huge. You mm -hmm. lose the property. Well, and let's talk about let's talk talk about how that loss actually happens, because okay, so unknown heir shows up. Daddy had mm -hmm. another family and sort of forgot to mention it to the kids who thought they'd inherited the property and then sold it, and along comes Johnny, who sure enough, you know, has some legal right to the property. How, how does that create a loss for me as the owner, and how does the title insurance solve it? Okay. Well, what's going to happen is when, when Johnny comes along and says he has an interest in a property, of course, you're going to say, no, you don't. Um, he'll probably hire a lawyer and maybe sue you. Um, so what title insurance would do is, first of all, pay the cost of defending your title. So they would pay for your attorney, um, probably their attorney, um, but same way you're, he's still defending your title. Um, and then if it turned out that Johnny does have a legitimate claim to your property and he wins and you lose your property, then you're, you're compensated for the value of what you've lost. Okay. And, so, and with the lender's policy, the lender then gets paid off whatever is owed. Right. And and if, it, if all you have is a lender's policy on the property, then the beneficiary is the lender. They get their money back. You're the owner. You didn't get an owner's policy. You get nothing. Right. Right. Yeah. A lot of people think, well, if I've got a lender's policy, I'm cool. But the, the other thing to understand about a lender's policy is that the value of the policy drops along with the balance of the mortgage. Mm -hmm. If if, if you've gotten down to where you only owe, owe the lender $100, your policy's worth 100 bucks, and that's how much the title company's right. going to pay to defend that. And actually, he's probably, they're just probably going to hand the lender 100 bucks and you right. just go home with your horrible title that, uh, to the property that you can no longer sell. And if at that point you've built up equity, you've lost all your equity. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, we're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Janie on line one and answer a couple of other questions that have come in via email. You're listening to Real Life Real Estate investing. WMKV needs your help. The WMKV Fund Drive is coming up in March, and you can kickstart our spring campaign with your early renewal or a brand new pledge right now. If you're an existing member, we thank you. 
and you may have already received a renewal reminder. If you didn't or if you've misplaced it, you can renew by phone as well at 513-782-2427 or toll-free 877-772-9658. We also really need new members at whatever level fits your budget as we strive to close a major fiscal year shortfall by the month of June. Everything that comes in in the weeks leading up to the March Fund Drive counts toward the overall goal. We value your financial support. And as a public radio service that does not receive federal or state funding, every membership is that much more critical. Thanks for considering WMKV in your budget. And you can also join securely online at WMKVFM.org or call 782-2427. And thank you. Check it on traffic. The accident on South 71 near the uh, between Kenwood and Red Bank, that's gone. That's good. We still have working accidents. Colerain at West Fork, Baltimore at Westward Northern Boulevard, and in Gallatin County, Kentucky, South 71 at the 68-mile marker. The expressway is still shut down down there. Uh, other than that, we have delays in the usual spots, perhaps a little heavier than usual on eastbound 275 which is off and on uh, heavy between U.S. 42 and Loveland. Your forecast tonight, cold tonight, clearing later on, a low of uh, 3 degrees. Tomorrow, sunny with a high of 22, and on Friday, sunny with a high of 32 degrees. Right now, we're at 24 here at 89.3 WMKV. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Vina Jones-Cox. My guest today is Dan Whalen, who, as owner of Grandview Title, has been involved in over a 1,000 closings, many of them for investors just like you. So we're taking all of your weird investor title closing questions today at 772-9658 or toll-free at 877-772-9658, or you can go to the askvina.com website. We're going to go down to line one and talk to Janie. Janie, welcome to Real Life Real Estate. Hi. Hi, Janie. Um, Yeah, my question is, um, if you have a signed contract, um, when is the best time to start the title search? Um, For instance, if you need to get a termite inspection still, which would be the best time, before or after you get that inspection? Well, you want to get your title company involved as soon as you can before you get too far down in the process. If, if we come up with a title problem as a result of your title search, there could be some time required to get it resolved. So if, you know, if you're, I don't, it depends on your closing timetable, but if, if you're looking to close fairly quickly, um, you want to get everything started because it, you know, it could take a couple of days before you get a title search back. And if there is a problem, you know, it can take weeks to resolve it. So, you know, keep in mind that, that there are things that could come up. So as, as soon as you can, as soon as you have a signed contract that you know is, is binding on everybody and that, that closing is likely based on everything else that you know. I mean, your termite inspection, your result's probably going to be you need treatment or you don't need treatment. It's probably not going to break your deal is my guess. So you still want to get everything else started. Mm-hmm. Now, okay. at, the, at the same time, Janie, I, 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 I would say that if if there is a potential problem with the property that could be a deal killer, like, okay, is this foundation problem just a little crack or is it going to be a $20,000 repair? You might want to get that done first because if there, if there's some contingencies in the contract to fulfill that you just, you're, you got a big question mark in your head about whether it's going to go forward or not, probably better not to spend the money on the title search until that has been dealt with because 
uh, Dan, I think title companies pretty much want to be paid for doing their work, whether you end up closing or not. We want to be paid, but a lot of times <laughs> we don't get paid if it doesn't close. So, But still, yeah, I mean, we certainly appreciate that if, if you think there's going to be a problem in your deal, we don't want to to spend the, the time doing the search um, you know, if it's not going to close. So it, it, Fina's right. It depends on the, the type of issues that you have. Like I said, a, a simple termite issue, they are, you're probably either going to treat it or not. If it's a major structural issue that comes up in, in maybe a, another type of inspection, um, then yeah, if, it's gonna, if you think that the problems that come up can be overcome, then get the title company working. If you think they can't be overcome or they might take some difficulty to overcome, um, then yeah, I mean, don't don't get started if you think the deal is, is going to fall through. Okay, uh, great. That answers my question. Okay. Thank you very much for okay, your thank you. call, Janie. Uh, yeah, and another reason to get the title stuff uh, started early because, I mean, realistically, a good title company can get from they have the contract closing in 11, 12 days. I mean, it's not, it's not the month or 45 days that people think. Yeah. But at the same time, sometimes there's surprises on the seller side like, for instance, uh, I have a deal in progress where the the contract price is $7,000, and they, I know for a fact from having talked to the seller that she had a use for that $7,000. She had, she had a $7,000 thing she wanted to buy, and when the title search came back, uh, it showed that she had sort of neglected to mention that she had not paid her real estate taxes in about three years, and her bottom line number on that HUD is actually 1100 bucks, and... Now I have to notify her of that because I'm pretty sure she doesn't know, or if she knew, she suppressed it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let me put it that way. And now I may have to go a couple of rounds with her about, you know, no, I can't pay more just because you right. didn't pay your taxes for three years. So. And if you hadn't done that title search as, as excuse me, <clears throat> as quickly as you could, um, you couldn't, you wouldn't have known about that issue. Mm -hmm. um, you couldn't be dealing with it. So you know, do title search. We're going to close Friday. We know everything is going to get done. You know, so we'll hold off on the title, get the title done Wednesday, and then you got two days before closing and, and mm -hmm. a problem with your seller and the money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, Dan, uh, one more thing about title insurance, and we'll go back to some of these questions because they all seem to be about title insurance. Okay. Uh, there are some things that the title insurance does not cover. There are some just exclusions that you, when you get the title policy, it says, we don't cover these things. Yes. There are several exclusions. Um, you know, it, a lot of the exclusions are are based on you know things that we cannot know. Um, for example, survey matters. You know, we don't physically look at the property, so usually we will not cover anything that could only be found uh, with a survey of the property. Um, you know, we we can delete the survey exclusion called the survey exception if we're provided with a survey and and can look at it and determine that the survey doesn't show anything wrong. But typically, that's not done for an owner's policy. Um, it's a lot more stringent uh, to get the, the exception waived on owner's policy. But, but it, it's the idea that things that we can't know about based on what we do, um, you know, are, are, we're, we're in the risk business. I mean, we want to minimize the risk. And the way we minimize the risk, both for you and, and for the title insurance company, is, is to, to look at the records and see what's out there. Mm -hmm. So primarily, we're insuring things that are in the record. There are some things, as I mentioned before, that we ensure that, that aren't in the record. But the idea of the exclusions is things that we can't know about. Um, and there are also exclusions for things we could know about if you told us, but you don't. <laughs> we're not going to cover stuff that you don't tell us about. Say you know you have a pending judgment. Well, well we're not going to cover that judgment unless you tell us there's a pending judgment. 
uh, which we probably wouldn't cover anyway. We're going to exclude it. But, I mean, that's the idea, things that we can't know or things that we could know but we rely on you to tell us, mm-hmm. um, you know. So, so yeah, don't try and defraud the, <laughs> the title it's, company. It's insurance <laughs> fraud. It's like any other insurance fraud. Yeah, and, 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 and incidentally, folks, um, I keep running into people who think that title work includes looking up things like building orders yeah. on the property and lead orders and health orders, and it does not because that's not actually title stuff. That's actually right. stuff having to do with the property. Right. So. We strictly do two title searches, and that usually means we search at the county courthouse, the county level. Um, you know, some of the types of orders that, that you mentioned are more city or municipal orders, and they really don't relate to title. You know, a lot of times there's also issues, of, especially in a distressed property, of utility bills that haven't paid. Well, that's certainly not part of the title, um, unless the utility um, goes to the courthouse and files a lien after they get a judgment for the money that's due them. So these are all matters that, that as, as a purchaser of property, that you want to look into on your own. It's not part of the title search. So check with the city. Make sure there aren't any pending orders, demolition orders, or things like that. Check with the utility companies if, if you're concerned about them, although really, like I said, there, there aren't, they don't have a right in the property um, unless they filed a lien, so, and we would find those. Mm-hmm. But if you're concerned about those things, that's check with those on your own. That's not t- part of title. Oh, and be concerned. I mean, <laughs> there's, 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 there's stories all over the place about, uh, you know, I bought a house and then eight weeks later the city filed a $10,000 lien against the property and it was from the previous guy and they actually had gotten the judgment a year earlier, but they didn't bother to file the lien until eight weeks after I bought it and now I don't want to pay it. Well, guess what? city can pretty much get anything from you they want because you can't move the property out of the city and uh, it's it is a good idea to do things like check with the water company check with the city um, things uh, that that could pop up a little bit later right. and even if they don't have liens they can cause you trouble mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. very true okay question from anna in cincinnati i've heard that investors should always get owner's title insurance but if i buy an reo property that's a bank owned property for those of you who are new listeners Hasn't everything been wiped off the title at the sheriff's sale, or are there some liens or title problems that don't get wiped off the title? Well, in the ideal world, it would wipe everything off. It doesn't wipe off easements restrictions, but it does wipe off any liens, any mortgages, any judgments, any federal or state tax liens, um, things like that. However, in order for that to happen, everything, all the steps in the foreclosure had to be followed. Um, For example, anyone who has an interest in the property um, has to be part of the foreclosure case. So if there's a, a, a mortgage lender out there that, that does have a lien against the property, for some reason they're not brought into the foreclosure case. Foreclosure case goes along and, okay, you think everything's wiped out, but they never got to defend their interest. They didn't get to participate. Therefore, their interest is still good, and, and now you have their lien. Um, that's, that's one thing. And it, Not only do they have to be named as a party to the foreclosure case, they also have to be served with a complaint and a summons and, and informed that there is a pending action, and if they want to participate, then, then they need to file an answer. Um, so if service is inadequate, wasn't done properly, um, you know, there are rules in the courts about how service is accomplished. So you have to make sure that the service is accomplished correctly and everyone who has the right to participate has, given, has been given the opportunity. Um, you know, and there are judges and lawyers, and they're pursuing their case, but you know, things get missed, um, especially in this world where... Where there are many foreclosures out there, and the, the court's dockets are full, 
Um, so things do get missed occasionally, and that's that's something you want to find out first by doing your title search, because that's one of the things we will search. Um, but even if, even, like I said, anything else that we search, um, you know, even if we find it or if we miss it, whatever, those are all covered by title insurance. So it's, it's the added coverage of, yeah, you've done your search, um, you've resolved all the problems you think you've, you've found, but this is the added layer of, of protection in case something was missed or there was something that we couldn't have found anyway. Anna, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I hear it a lot, and I can tell you from personal experience, <laughs> a couple of years ago I bought two properties in a row from banks that didn't have clear title despite having gone through foreclosure. One of them was a, a, an actual co-owner of the property via an estate who was never notified of the foreclosure. The other one, and, and I think, Dan, you probably see this a lot, was a mortgage that was it was 15 or 20 years old. It had in all likelihood been paid off, but it had never actually been released, and the bank hadn't been notified of its potential interest during the foreclosure mm-hmm. process, and that bank had gone out of business, and a successor bank had taken it over, which was then sold to a great big bank, and no one in this whole mess had anything along the lines of a file. Right, <laughs> or, said, or know that they've been paid, so now they think <laughs> exactly. they have an interest. And that's that's an example of something that, although technically wasn't missed, could be something that you consider missed. I mean, you... you the title examiner found this mortgage. We thought, oh well, that's you know, fifteen years ago. There's been fifteen mortgages since then. Surely I'm sure it was paid that's off. been paid off. <laughs> um, so they say, okay, a little risk. We'll, we'll we'll take the chance on that, and they end up they lost. Uh huh. Uh huh. So yeah, uh, title insurance uh, and title searches, especially on bank-owned properties, because I mean, think about this. You're talking about a group of organizations that apparently pays people $9 an hour just to sign piece of paper after piece of paper after piece of paper. You think they might ever make a mistake right. in doing their own title searches before they file the foreclosure? Yeah. And that's one of the m- most recent aspects of the mortgage crisis was, was the, the bad documentation. You know, even if you go through all the proper steps in the foreclosure case, well, it turns out in, in, in the, the most current part of the, the mortgage crisis, that their their documentation wasn't correct. They couldn't prove they owned it. Their affidavits saying they were owed money were signed by someone who didn't know how much money was <laughs> owed. These are all documentation problems, which make the foreclosure defective. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Anna, get the title search. Long story short, uh, you listen to Real Life Real Estate Investing. We need to take one last quick break. If you have any last-minute questions, give us a call at 772 9658 or send us an email via the askvina.com website. Support comes from Cincinnati Ballet. You can take a break from your regularly scheduled winter season for a midsummer night stream. Cincinnati Ballet Orchestra performs Mendelssohn's score and actors from Cincinnati Shakespeare Company tell the story through dramatic reading of the famous text. A Midsummer Night's Dream, February 11th through 13th. Tickets at 513-621-5282 or cballet.org. And we check on traffic now. Things have cleaned up nicely. We still have uh, one accident now. It's just been reported in the 5,000 block of Ridge, but the other accidents all cleaned up. And we, uh, at least on the Ohio side of the river, we still have the expressway shut down in Kentucky, down in Gallatin County. 68 mile marker, South 71. This is about 
two miles or so south of the 71-75 split on 71, heading toward Louisville, there is an accident that shut down the expressway there. But uh, everything else moving along pretty well. A few backups eastbound 275 at, between US 42 and Loveland. Your weather forecast overnight tonight, some clouds, then clearing after midnight. We'll get down to about 2 degrees. And then uh, tomorrow, sunny and not much warmer than today, a high around 22. Uh, on Friday, we'll see temperatures in the low 30s. And then Saturday, highs in the upper 30s. Sunday, highs in the upper 40s and maybe even 50 on Monday. No precipitation uh, in the forecast, except for maybe just a slight chance of some precipitation late Friday night. Right now, we're at 24 degrees here at 89.3 WMKV. Support comes from your Hamilton County Park District. An outdoor wedding adds a touch of romance and charm to your special day. Withrow Nature Preserve offers a lovely wedding setting surrounded by family, friends, and nature. Receptions may be held at the Vineyard Golf Course, just a 10-minute drive from the wedding setting at Withrow Nature Preserve. More details at greatparks.org. Welcome back to Real Life Real Estate Investing. By the way, if you're not a fan of Real Life Real Estate, my only question for you is, what's the matter with you? 4,816 people are on Facebook. You can become one too. Get in with the hip kids by going to realliferealestateradio.com and just checking the like button. You get your chance there to post potential topics. A lot of people volunteer to be guests on Real Life Real Estate, although many of them I have to say, you, you do know this is public radio and you like can't come on and pitch a course, right? But uh, you can do all those things too at realliferealestateradio.com. Um, Dan, the questions are flowing in fast and furious now. Again, apparently it's this title thing <laughs> that people <laughs> most get confused about in regards to closing. We, we did get a question from Diane Kate in Columbus that, Diane, I can't, I can't answer this on the air because of the public radio nature of things. Um, it, it, the answer is yes, um, but uh, I can't ask it on the air. Let me put it that way. Uh a couple other questions here. One from David in, and then it's blank. I mean, the forum says, where are you from? And you just have to like type in the name of your city. And unless you live in like Kalamazoo or something, that shouldn't be that hard. But David in some place wants to know, what's the difference between an abstract of title and a title search? Well, it could depend on where you're from. <laughs> <laughs> See? See, Dave, now we're not answering your question because you didn't say where you were from. <laughs> it's one of those things where from different areas of the country has have different practices. In the terminology I'm familiar with, an abstract of title is the result of the title examiner's work, which is basically you know, what they report what they have found, um, basically a, a function of you know, this is this, these are the records I've searched. These are copies of the documents that I found. This is the the chain of title showing all the deeds back for, for whatever search period is. The title opinion or title examination would be the result of the attorney or um, title underwriters work in looking at the abstract and making determinations on the legal status of the title. So one is is one level up from the other, but it basically is all part of, of the process that happens in doing a title search and getting it to a commitment, which is the title insurance company's agreement to insure the property if the conditions of closing and others are met. 
Question here from Stan in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, and this one isn't really for you, Dan. This one is more for the rest of us. Any idea why there's an error in having iTunes connect and download your new episodes? I'm missing the last two. We'll just check with Dave on that. I haven't looked at it, uh, so I don't know if it's actually a problem with iTunes or maybe Stan if it's something on your end. So we will have Dave check into that and get back to you about it. A question from Melissa in Indianapolis. Ask Dan what he thinks about private investors and lenders providing closing agents with instruction letters and other directions in advance. Are these helpful at all for complex or unusual transactions? They are absolutely helpful. The, you the, want me to do what? I to the, write it down. I don't, I don't understand. One, one of the uh, I keep coming back to the functions of, of the uh, title company, but one of the functions is, is basically to to make sure that your deal is executed according to the contract and the, the lender's terms and, and the way everyone wants it done. Um, you, you've made the contract. You've you've made arrangements with your bank for your loan. We need to be told what those arrangements are in order for us to execute on your deal. Um, so yeah, we need to know as much as possible, and and if it's in writing, even better, because then we can you know, pass along through our staff, and we don't lose anything, um, you know, in the translation from one person to another. So yes, the written instructions from the lender, um, the the investors, is most helpful, um, and of course the contract is is the most important thing in, in a purchase um, that helps us do what we need to do. It tells who who pays for what. Um, you know what the conditions are. It helps us execute the deal for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, you make it, and we execute it. And sign of a of a good title company versus a bad title company is the reading of that contract. <laughs> the the uh, often uh, investors split things up in the contract different than would be quote typical mm-hmm. for a particular region or state. They 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 maybe put what's typically a seller expense on the buyer side, or vice versa. It helps if your title agent has obsessive compulsive disorder in reading those because I can't tell you how many times over the years I've had other title companies send me HUDs that I was like, you did not read the contract. I mean, mm-hmm. this is this this couldn't be wronger in terms of how you you, you you just did what you always do. You didn't you didn't actually read what was going on. So some attention to detail. Let's yeah. let's put it that way. And it's important for you as as an investor or, or anyone involved in a real estate contract to, to know what the customs are. Because if, if you don't put in your contract um, a specific provision, say for who's, example, who's paying the transfer tax, we will have to go with the custom. So if, if, if you know what the customs are and you want to go something else than the custom, then put that in the contract because that's going to tell us if that, that is what everyone wants and that's what we need to do. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we'll just default to what the custom is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and David just sent us another email saying that he's in Texas. Thank you, David. Okay. <laughs> Don't know much about Texas, but uh, I do know that Texas does have some some peculiar title rules. Um, so they, they are one of the unique states. So definitely check with, with your local title companies or closing attorneys about um, um, you know what their terminology and practices are. Okay. Okay. Uh, here's a question from Arnie in Columbus, Ohio. Could Dan please explain the specific differences between what's on schedules A, B, et cetera, of a title commitment? And is there <laughs> anything an investor especially needs to look for? My specific question is, what's a tax deletion? 
Arnie, you should be a title agent. You're one of these OCD people who actually reads the title commitment beyond the part where it says, yep, it's all good. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> actually one of my favorite topics because we always we spend all this time producing our, our title commitments and feel like no one ever reads them. So I'd be happy to tell you what the, the different schedules are and what to look for in them. Um, and I'm not going to go into a lot of detail just because we don't have the time for it. I, I probably spent an hour at, at a seminar talking about what's in a commitment. But uh, Schedule A is, is the basic information about the property. Who owns it, um, what, what type of title insurance, and how much we're going to insure it for. Uh, the Schedule B is, is the, the important one for, for people to look at um, in anticipation of their closing. There's two sections to Schedule B. Section 1 is the requirements, and these are the things that the title insurance company is going to require to happen in order for us to insure the title. So if, if you're purchasing property, one of the requirements obviously is going to be that you get a deed and have it recorded. And of course, we'll help do that as, as our role as a title agent, but that's an example. You're, you're required to get a recorded deed in order for us to insure that you own the property. Uh, so section B is, B1 is the requirements. Section B2, also Im very important, is the exceptions. And there, there's several exceptions on there that are called the standard exceptions and, and your tax exceptions, probably uh, one of those that, that you were referring to. Um, and, and these are, the standard exceptions are things that we're going to take exception to in any insurance policy. And, and we would mentioned previously in the show about survey. You know, we're going to take an exception to survey. We're not going to insure anything that, that we could find on a survey if we were given one, unless we are given the survey. Um, same thing for, for taxes. There's a tax exception. We're, taxes have a special standing um, in real estate. Uh, the, the taxes always get paid first. They're always the first lien on the property. So we're always going to take exception to any tax bills that are, are not yet due, but we know will be due and will be first lien on the property. Um, so that, that's another exception. And those are all standard. They're all also the more important ones, I think, the, the ones you should be concerned about. Um, the exceptions that we found as a result of you doing the title search. Um, you know, we, we found a mortgage. We're not going to insure this mortgage. Um, we found easements and restrictions on the property, so we're not going to insure that the property is free of easements because we found some. So if there's any anything on Schedule B-2 that we say we're going to take exception to um, that is a deal breaker for you or you think needs to be fixed before you want to take title, then that's what you need to bring to the title company's attention. Um, you know, some things we're going to take care of regardless, like mortgages and liens, but things like easements. Um, you know, you don't like the easement across your property the neighbor has. Well, you, you're going to need to take care of that if we're going to insure it. You'll need to make an arrangement with the neighbor to, to do something different for their access or, or whatever their easement's for. So basically, one is, or B1 is requirements, B2 is exceptions. Be concerned with the exceptions. And it, it takes some getting used to what are the standard and which ones are, are ones that that can have something done with. So mm -hmm, you just mm -hmm. have to get experience doing that. Okay, Dan, we have like one minute left, and we've got okay. a really interesting question here from Julie up in Brooklyn. She says, I've always wondered how much I should insure my title for. For instance, if I pay 220000 for a house, the default is that my attorney will want to insure the title for two twenty. But what if I bought the house at a discount and it's really worth three fifty? Shouldn't I insure my title for three fifty? So if there's a problem, I don't just get protected for my investment, but also for my equity. Well, you you want you're you're gonna there's limitations on what the title insurance company is going to want to insure. Um, the you know we're insuring the value of the property. Um, so just like any other thing that's based on value, the clearest determination, the clearest indication of value is what someone's willing to pay for it. So that's why it defaults to value. Um, if you want to insure for something else, um, you probably probably the first thing you want to do is get 
uh, an appraisal um, that you can show it's really worth more than that. Uh, although that's, you know, it's not going to be an easy process. It's not something that's typical based on termination of value. Okay. So in an ideal world, yeah, 350 but you may find that the cost of doing that or something makes it difficult to do. But thank you for your question, Julie. And thanks to all of our listeners for their questions and to Dan Whalen from Grandview Title for sharing his expertise with us today. We'll be back next week with more information to put you on the path to financial independence through real estate investing. Until then, happy investing. WMKV, Renning, Ohio. Here's local 12 News at 6. In a bathroom for years. Good evening, everybody. The nine-year-old girl says she was only...